This is the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, and I'm your host, Cindy. I gladly welcome you to this comfy, cozy space for introverts, highly sensitive people, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is a place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. Gather around the hearth, get comfortable, and settle in. I'm glad you're here. Hello there, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy. Here in episode 101, I chat with Emma Koble about healing insomnia by befriending wakefulness. Now on to the episode. Um, well, it's so nice to be here, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I love your show. And um, yeah, just really thrilled to be here. Um, so I am Emma Coble, and I am a therapist and a an insomnia coach for women. Um, and my my therapy practice centers a lot around like EMDR, IFS, parts work, mindfulness, and my insomnia coaching practice is something that's a bit of a newer development, but it has developed out of years of struggle myself and something I've also been helping my clients with for a long time that I feel really passionate about because I believe that a lot of what we are told about sleep and insomnia is actually really wrong and can actually be really harmful and can kind of perpetuate the problem of anxiety around sleep for many, many people. And it certainly did for me. So it's something I'm really passionate about helping women with, especially women who are kind of entering into forties, um, fifties, maybe at a different stage of life and experiencing more stress or hormonal stuff that might cause some initial like sleep disturbances. And then that can often lead down a rabbit hole of um, spiraling insomnia and worry and fear around sleep. So um, yeah, I'm really passionate about helping women. I am a big feminist. And um, I think this is an area that we don't talk about enough and we don't talk about it in the right way. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so happy that you're here today. And just the topic of insomnia, I know that people can struggle with it for years. And I know that you have, uh, like you've got this firsthand experience and being able to to work through it and and heal yourself and being able to share your story to hopefully help other people and to help people, you know, through through coaching and just all the support that you're going to be able to provide is going to be invaluable. So yeah, maybe starting out with like maybe your struggles or your story or how how long you you struggled and had your battle with insomnia. Yeah, no, thank you. So yeah, I um I would say I battled with insomnia for a lot of my life off and on. Um I, when I was a kid, like I'm never what you would call a traditional, like good sleeper. You know how some people just like their head hits the pillow and they're out, they have no worries around it, whatever. As a kid, I, it wasn't, I wasn't caught in the insomnia struggle, but I was an anxious kid for sure. And, um, had all kinds of worries. Always thought I had cancer or, you know, something was wrong with me all the time. Um, and it, it did transfer over to the nighttime. So I kind of developed these a little bit of like ticks around night. Like I would sleep on the couch as a kid. Like that was something that, you know, the couch felt like a safer place for me. Um, my parents were divorced. So I was going between two homes. And I think there was a lot of stress associated with that and just feeling 
kind of groundless or like I didn't really have much of a place. Um, and then, you know, high school, I was kind of traditional, like didn't get a ton of sleep, but I don't think I worried too, too much about it. I would say that it really started for me to become a, to really kind of go downhill in, I would say like my early twenties when I was out of like around when I was in grad school for counseling. And then when I kind of got out of it and started my first job. I had a lot of stressful events. So I had um, a breakup with someone I had been with for a really, really long time, who I thought was, you know, my partner, I left this other career behind, I was going to go become a philosophy professor, but I decided against it. And I decided to go into counseling instead. Um, I was living kind of on my own in the city where I didn't really know anyone. Uh, so I had a lot of stuff happen sort of all at once was really worried about money, taking all, all these loans, trying to to figure out how to make it between, you know, a waitress for a while. I did, um, did some adjunct teaching for a little while. And, um, so it sort of started, I would say in counseling grad school. And then it got bad when I got my first job out of counseling grad school, which was working with, um, kids who had sexually offended and they were in the system. And I was like an at home therapist and I did some residential therapy as well, but like going to these people's houses and doing trauma therapy with with them and also um, therapy with the offenders. And um, it was a very stressful job. And it I started to just really develop a lot of fear around my performance and sleeping and if I was going to be able to perform the next day and do this job well. And I started also because I had to drive to these places to fear like I'm not going to sleep and that's going to impair my ability to drive and I'm going to like crash the car. And what made it worse was that I did actually have like an accident at one point. I don't think it was due to lack of sleep, but I did end up crashing a car at one point. So it started to sort of build up in me and I started to look for a lot of different solutions. So like everyone with insomnia, I tried pretty much everything. Um, I went on different SSRIs, all kinds of them. I went on trazodone. I tried these weird cortisol manager supplements. I tried acupuncture, yoga, which actually helped in some ways, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. Um, I tried therapy. I tried um, really wearing myself out through exercise, um, blackout curtains, a cool room, tons of sleep hygiene, like a ridiculous, annoying amount of sleep hygiene and um, limiting myself for how much I could go out changing my diet. I tried everything to help with this, but it seemed like it just got worse and worse until I was sleeping maybe one hour every night. Sometimes I wouldn't sleep all the way through the night and would just be totally exhausted the next day and worried about like, my God, am I going to have to like take a leave from this job? Like, am I going to be able to continue this? Um, and the one thing that sort of broke through to me and it didn't solve the problem completely, but it was some words from my aunt who had also really struggled with insomnia in her life. And she told me about how she started to rather than, you know, when we're awake, like there's this fear that comes and we try and fight it and we try to make us ourselves sleep. She talked to me about rather than doing that when I was up in the night to sort of like throw myself a little fun party. So to like, let myself watch the trashy TV, I think we were watching 
oh God, Jane the Virgin or something at that point, she and I together. So um, to let myself like do the stuff I wouldn't normally let myself do during the day to, to buy myself like magazines, you know, which I never would do and, and read them at night or to, you know, to, to make this a time of like fun and celebration. And this was the, this idea is what has like since informed me and my coaching of like the friending wakefulness. So rather than trying to fight being awake, we embrace it and we enjoy it. And we are not attached to the idea of actually trying to sleep. And um, so that is something that pulled me out of, I would say that depth of insomnia. And then it didn't, that wasn't enough to just kind of end it for me. I went on to have a lot of years of continued, you know, sometimes it would be okay. I was, I was feeling a little less attached to sleep. And then sometimes I would not be. And there were periods of years where I could only sleep on the couch where there were, I had a lot of kind of quirks and ticks around my sleep. And then a while back, I did a coaching program um, with someone named Daniel Erickson, and he uses a lot of act and mindfulness. And I also was introduced to another um, specialist in sleep named Martin Reed, who does a lot of acceptance and commitment therapy stuff. He's not a therapist, but a coach, but he does a lot of that stuff around sleep. And it all just sort of clicked for me and started to make sense. And I thought that, you know, I thought that like, oh, I should try CBTI, um, which I did try for a while. And that actually made the problem worse for me because I don't know if you're familiar, but in CBTI, they tell you like, if you can't sleep in the night, like get out of bed, like you have to get out of bed. Um, and so I started fearing bed, which is why I really slept on the couch for such a long time. Um, but anyway, they, they introduced me to these ideas of like befriending wakefulness, accepting wakefulness, and not getting attached to sleeping. And that is really what set the stage for my own healing and where I am now, um, which is there are times where I still have sleep disturbances or when sleep is a little more elusive when I'm under stress or whatever. But when that happens, like I'm not, it doesn't scare me in the same way. It feels like, yeah, that's a part of, that's a part of what happens. And I have tools that I use, like, you know, doing things I love, watching Bridgerton, you know, watching something on Hulu, like, you know, I've, I've had one night where I did a like fruit tasting party where I chopped up a bunch of watermelon and, you know, just had yeah, there's all these fun different kinds of fruits because I live in Mexico. So I tried all these fun tropical fruits. So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about my story and kind of how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you shared. And there's something that really stood out, like the term that you use, the befriending wakefulness. And that is, sounds so much better than fighting against or fighting for sleep or fight, you know, having that battle against it, because that just increases the anxiety even more. And um, I mean, personally, I haven't struggled with insomnia, but so I'm really, I don't know, it's really interesting to hear like firsthand, like what, what that's like, because, you know, when you haven't been through something personally, sometimes it's hard to completely understand because I do, you know, have chronic migraines. And so I understand that, but there's like, 
a lot of times you don't really know until you experience it. Um, but I think you did a great job of just explaining to someone like me that hasn't experienced that maybe what what it's like and all the things that you've tried. And and I know that you mentioned the some of the things that were not helpful. And there's, do you believe that like each person has to find their own way? You know, I'm sure that that like the same things don't work for everyone or I don't know what your experience has been if you talked with other people or the other people that you've worked with that experience insomnia if all of a sudden they discover this thing that works for them and maybe it didn't work for someone else so I'm just curious about just all the different ways of healing and how you can can work through it and overcome it yeah so I you know, I actually would, I think that everyone with insomnia, like we all have a unique story, right? Like mm-hmm. we all have a a reason, you know, the started a precipitating event. We, But insomnia looks the same. Like, and everyone with insomnia, I think really believes they're different. I remember there were so many years in my life, I really thought, well, my insomnia is worse and it's different than everyone else's. And these things that work for other people, like they're not going to work for me. Um, and after I started kind of really getting interested in healing and listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of books and really educating myself about this, I really realized like everyone's insomnia is pretty much the same. And so I believe that the same things that have worked for me could really work for everyone. And the thing about sleep is that um, my coach, Daniel Erickson, also talks about a lot is there's sort of two components that go into sleep and whether we we will or won't sleep. And there's sort of, he calls it the gas and break model. So um, we, we develop a sleep drive um, which is the gas part of it by like staying awake. And, you know, once we've been awake, whatever, 17 hours, and and this might look different depending on, you know, you might get tired at different times, depending on what you've done that day, how much stress you're under, you know, things like that. But our body will naturally get tired and become sleepy. Um, so, so that the first part is like, we, you know, when we're working on healing this insomnia, like, working on like developing enough of a sleep drive so that we're ready to sleep. And so we're tired. The other component though, is the break. So the break is the thing that I think is the problem for a lot of people with insomnia is hyper arousal. And it is, it's our anxiety around sleep. Um, And so what I want to say about this though, is that when we are afraid of being awake, our brain starts to perceive wakefulness as a threat. And if you think about it, like the very act of being awake, there's nothing inherently scary about that. So there's often another, like a secondary thing the brain's afraid is going to happen if we're awake. So it's afraid that, you know, if we don't get enough sleep, we're not going to be able to perform well the next day, or, you know, our work is going to suffer, or we're going to lose our jobs, or We're going to be irritable in our relationships, or we're going to not look as young or our body, we're going to mess up our hormones or our health. Uh, I mean, the list goes on with the things our brain 
can come up with that is going to happen if we don't sleep. So sleep drive is the thing that that makes us get sleepy and allows sleep to happen. But the anxiety and the hyperarousal is the break that um, kind of stops sleep from occurring. And these are all these thoughts about what's going to happen if I don't, if I don't sleep and if I'm awake in the night. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Because when I think about it, like, I guess I have had little snippets of insomnia thinking about there are certain times when you may not be able to sleep as well. And I remember when it was like the first day of school or something the night before and you want to get a good rest. And I'm thinking about probably all the reasons why you have that anxiety. And yes, it could be, oh, I'm starting something new. I I wonder what class I'm going to be in. But also, I want to get a good sleep so I can show up and, you know, be present for my first day or like, Sometimes before I'm going on vacation and there's this excitement about something new and it's hard to sleep. And also there's been times where I know that I have to, because now I have set my schedule to where I don't have to get up early in the morning and usually don't have to wake up to an alarm. But if there, I remember certain times when I would have to get up early. And so you're counting like, okay, if I go to sleep right now, then I can get six and a half hours of sleep. And there's this pressure and this anxiety. It's like, I've got to go to sleep right now or I'm not going to get enough sleep. Um, And then like all those things that you mentioned are going to happen. And so it just gets you in that anxiety spiral. So I think I have had touches of all those things. It hasn't been persistent, but I think I get a little um, with you explaining it that way. I'm like, yeah, I I think I know what that's about. Totally. Yeah. And the way, you know, that, that I talk with my clients about working with this and that has been so useful for me is part of what we do is training the brain that like we do as therapists with a lot of anxiety, like, like giving the brain some education about they're not really being a threat here. You know, so much of, of what our brains do when they're spiraling is perceiving this unknown, scary, awful thing that is going to happen if X happens. But the truth of the matter is like, you know, I would invite the listeners to think about have there been times when maybe you didn't get a great night's sleep the night before you didn't get a lot of sleep, but you actually had like a good day the next day Um, or a time you didn't get a lot of sleep, but you performed really well. Like you did great on a test. Um, I like to talk about with people like President Obama said that he didn't get more than five hours of sleep a night the whole time he was in office. Um, there's a, I'm blanking on her name, but there is a, um, an Olympic athlete who, um, oh, Karsten War, Warholms 2021 won the Olympic gold in the 400 meter hurdles. Um, and she crushed it after a completely sleepless night. Um, so reminding our bodies that we have this idea that if we don't sleep, things are going to be bad and things are going to go wrong. But in fact, they don't. There are also aren't studies that show that not sleeping leads to health outcomes that are deleterious. Um, so yeah, so just letting the brain, giving the brain some education about like, if we don't sleep, it's actually okay. Like our bodies are okay. And I also think it's important to think about like, okay, being awake, like sometimes it can be scary to be awake and to be with our thoughts and our emotions. And so, you know, as therapists, I know we talk a lot about 
different ways to allow that stuff to come out. Um, and so, you know, having a time during the day when you are with your thoughts and your feelings. And, you know, I also talk with my clients about, you know, doing those fun things and, and allowing yourself to enjoy in the night, but also spending time if it feels right and it feels okay and, and not pushing yourself like crazy for this, but sort of accepting and sitting with some of the discomfort that might be there of mm-hmm. being awake while knowing it can't hurt you. Yeah. To be here. Yeah. You had mentioned some of the, I think you said CBTI. So is that like a cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia? Yeah. Um, Cause I think you mentioned with that you, cause I don't know anything about it. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you said like with that, if you can't sleep, you have to get out of the bed, but with um, kind of that acceptance, it's more of a, oh, well, I'm just going to get up and do something fun. So is there maybe what about it about the getting out of the bed wasn't helpful versus being able to kind of have it be more gentle, I guess, and not like a strict thing that you have to do. So I'm just curious about the things about the CBTI that were not that helpful for you. Yeah. So, so yeah, great question. I mean, CBTI is a lot of like behavioral interventions yeah. and it's a lot of, you know, it does involve some of those sleep hygiene things Mm. of like screens and thinking about, you know, the stuff you're doing during the day, caffeine, like all the things you can kind of do to control sleep. Um, And one thing I will talk about that I think is helpful about CBTI is there's, um, it can, it can limit the time you're spending in your bed, just freaking out about sleep, because a lot of people with insomnia start to like, a lot all this time in their day mm-hmm. for sleep. And then they're just in bed obsessing over it. And so there's, I think there are some useful things from CBTI that I utilize as well with my clients. However, um, this idea that if you're not sleeping, you have to get out of the bed. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't start to associate the bed with insomnia. It's still all tied around this idea of like trying to make sleep happen. Yeah. And the whole thing is when we're trying to make something happen, like sleep, it becomes elusive, you Mm -hmm. know? And so the idea is to genuinely not be attached to the outcome and to also trust that like sleep is a natural process that we can't control. Like our bodies will naturally sleep just like they will naturally breathe. And every human body is capable of sleep. We can, we can get in the way of it with our hyper arousal and stuff like that, but our bodies will eventually sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I think it's important to remember is that um, people, there's this idea of like the golden eight hours and like, we all need to be getting eight hours or else we're whatever, mm-hmm. we're going to get wrinkles and, you know, <laughs> develop diabetes or whatever. But the truth is that most people get somewhere between like five and a half and seven hours of sleep a night. Um, yeah. And that's, that's been studied over and over again. And people without insomnia have no idea how much sleep they're getting usually. And we'll just, you know, kind of say the time amount of time they think they were in the bed. Um, but the truth is that they often are getting less or waking up in the night and people with insomnia Oftentimes there are times they're sleeping that they're not even realizing they're Mm -hmm. actually sleeping. Yeah, I was always curious about that. If you believe that 
you know, some people are just wired differently to naturally sleep longer or shorter periods of time during the night than others. Because I know a lot of people where it's like they get five hours of sleep every night and they're fine, they're functional, they go to work every day. And then like me, I usually sleep probably anywhere between seven to nine hours a night pretty consistently. And and that's just kind of like my natural thing. So you have people that sleep shorter amounts of time or longer amounts of time. And so I'm just wondering if that's just personal for each person. You know, I'm sure there is like a little bit of personal variability that goes with it. But I also think people are pretty bad at actually knowing how much they're actually sleeping. I mean, studies have shown that people generally wake up like every hour in the night. And there's a lot of time we think we're, we're sleeping that we're not actually sleeping. Um, so I would imagine there's maybe some variability, but my guess would be, and I don't know this for sure, would that would be that we're kind of more similar generally than we are different. Um, and there may be stages of life, you know, when we're babies or we're growing and stuff. Yeah. Or teenagers, I remember sleeping a lot. <laughs> yeah. Teenagers, totally. When we get very old, like those times, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There was another question that I had. Oh yeah. It was about, cause we're always, I think that education piece that you were talking about is so helpful because there is all this out there, like how lack of sleep can be so dangerous. And I'm wondering if it's comparing, not comparing the right things because you talk about um, you know, sometimes with torture and they keep people awake, like for the, and it can be very harmful for you, but that's different than you being at home and having the ability to sleep, but not sleeping. So I'm just thinking if that has gotten mixed up with like, um, just the dangers of, of not sleeping and how it can be harmful. Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, you know, I think, in our in our kind of capitalist world we live in, where we're constantly thinking about optimizing and doing the best and biohacking and <laughs> you know living longer and whatever, sleep has become another thing that we try to control as a society. Mm-hmm. And now it's something like we have to think about it. You know, whereas for generations and generations, sleep was never something people really thought about. You know, they may have gone into they may have had sleepless nights and, you know, insomnia for sure existed back then. But I think there is now this obsession. And if you're health oriented at all or a perfectionist at all, I think that you can really go down this rabbit hole. And this is something that affected me, I think, as well, would be like listening to podcasts talking about like the dangers of not sleeping and the things we need to do to make ourselves sleep. So like the straight A student I was, I was like, okay, let me do everything I possibly can. So that just kind of has probably has the opposite effect in that it's increasing more anxiety around sleep and probably have, you know, more people might be getting insomnia because they're starting to stress about not sleeping. Absolutely. Yes. So many uh, clients I've had and people I know come to me having heard something, you know, having heard some study or having heard something about the dangerous effects of not sleeping. But I really want everyone to know that not sleeping will not kill you, will not cause you to have a psychotic break. It's not going to harm you to not sleep. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's genuinely okay. It's, it's a process just like breathing that our body, it will do eventually. And 
you know, we actually probably have less control over sleeping than we do over like breathing because we can like, you know, hold our breath or, or go underwater for a really long time, but our body will naturally sleep eventually. Mm -hmm. So, um, this is not something that we need to worry about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, maybe talk a little bit before we, before we wrap up about like how you, um, cause I know that you've had experience with this, you've tried all the things, so you know what works best, what doesn't work that great. And you can probably help your clients tailor something that's really going to support them. So yeah. What are some of the ways that you work with clients and, talk a little bit more maybe about um, any resources that you would recommend um, or anything that can help someone listening to get the support that they need if they suffer from insomnia. Yeah, absolutely. One one final thing I want to say on that mm-hmm. is that um, the sleep efforts that we often have been led to to do and to engage in to try and control sleep, like a part of what I work with with people is starting to let those things go. So things like the blue light blocker glasses and, um, you know, taking supplements before bed. And it's not like we always need to cut those things out cold turkey. Like there might be times where, you know, it's an act of kindness to let ourselves take a clonopin or whatever before bed, because it's like we've been sitting with it so much and accepting just feels too much on that night. And that is really okay. Um, but yeah, the way that I work with clients is by doing a lot of education, like we've been talking about around sleep and insomnia and what leads to difficulty sleeping and, um, the ways that hyperarousal, um, kind of gets in the way of our sleep and thinking about like these things we've been talking about, about there's no threat involved in wakefulness. Um, so really befriending wakefulness, thinking, having a plan for when we're awake at night, like what are the fun things I want to have set up for myself. Um, Another thing is some behavioral stuff around, not in a like hyper controlling way, but having sort of a window, like six and a half, seven hours for people who are really struggling where we don't get into bed until you know, a certain time, and then we get up at the same time every day. And this is not something that we do forever. But we want to allow the body to develop enough of a sleep drive that we're ready to sleep. And um, just kind of start to limit the amount of time we're sort of here obsessing about sleep, um, just in the beginning, and then that can get more flexible as we go. Um, And so we work on that we work on understanding, like I said, like the perceived threat of being awake and how to befriend that and, um, letting go of the sleep efforts. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been very helpful for me. A couple people I would recommend are Daniel Erickson has an amazing YouTube channel. Um, and Martin Reed is another one who has a beautiful podcast for, um, anyone who's suffering, who just wants to listen a little more and hear more about other people's struggles. Um, and of course, I am would love to chat with people. I am giving away a free 30-minute consultation call to just talk about your insomnia um, for the first 10 people who get in touch with me. So um, if anyone wants to talk about it and just some strategies or tools, I am here to help. 
Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that's so generous. So I hope some of y'all will reach out so you can get that consultation and maybe you can get some really good support on um on being able to to figure out um yeah, ways to help with your insomnia and everything. And I think you said that um so your website is sleepwithemma.com, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Any other uh any other things that you want to uh, recommend or is that the best way to get in touch with you is through your website? Yeah, that's the best way right now. There's um, a, a place on there. You can schedule um, a time to talk with me. You can also just email me at sleepwithemma@gmail.com if you want to set up a time to do a consultation. So yeah, I'd love to chat with any of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. And I know this is going to be helpful to so many listeners. And and yeah, I just really love this work that you're doing. And and it's going to, you know, help a lot of people. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. In the meantime, if you haven't yet listened to episode 100, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I talk about why you'll never reach the finish line. I'm truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. If you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy, supportive, small group mastermind for introverted, highly sensitive solopreneurs who help and heal. And I'd love to see you at a tiny retreat sometime. May the forest be with you.